Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everyone. This is Dale. Thank you for joining with me again today. We've been looking in recent episodes, a little side rabbit chasing from some things we were looking at before, uh, looking at the subject of the Godhead, of the Trinity, of the fact that God is Father, God is Son, and God is Spirit. One God, three persons, and the mystery of that eternal covenantal relationship uh, that they have with one another. Sometimes it is said that, uh, well, the Scripture doesn't teach the Trinity. One of the Scripture totally teaches it. It doesn't use the word Trinity. Actually, the word Godhead is used in the New Testament in the authorized version, the King James. It's not used in newer translations, and because of that, I think we, you know, we miss some things. Also, people say, well, it's sort of a subtle teaching. No, it's not a very subtle teaching. We've seen that in the verses we're reading, and there's literally... Um, I'm going to say dozens of them, that talk about God the Father and God the Son, or God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and they're all together in one. The verses are all there, and you see that that structure. So we're in a passage like that right now in Romans 1, where we saw that Paul's writing to the a church at Rome, and he mentions the uh, Father, he mentions the Son, he mentions the Spirit. And in verse 20, he actually talks about the Godhead. So I'm going to start where we left off last time in verse 11. In Romans 1, he had just told them that he really hoped he'd be able to come to them sometime. And here's why. Verse 11, for I long to see you. This is what Paul is saying, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. And, and what he's saying right here is I want to come to you and I want to be used by God in whatever way and whatever spiritual giftedness that the Lord releases within me to you. I want to do that. I want to come. Verse 12. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. You know, I think that's a great little thought right there that so often we don't consider, that there is tremendous comfort with the mutual faith that we have. We experience it day in and day out. Okay? You see it in, uh, in Thessalonians when Paul is writing about the end times and about those that have gone before us. He says two or three times, comfort one another with these words of truth comfort one another. That's the reason that, that when you have the mutual faith that you'll meet somebody and the, we'll describe it all sorts of worldly phrases. <laughs> we'll say, oh, I, we, it just clicked. For some reason, I just like them. Well, it's spirit under spirit. We have a mutual faith. We have a mutual spirit because those who are truly saved have the Holy Spirit in them. And so he's saying, I, I would like to come to you and just receive the comfort from you and just get to know you. Now, verse 13. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren. Okay. In other words, I want you to know this. And sometimes we get put off by that word ignorance. Don't get put off by it. It just simply means you're unlearned. He says, I don't want you not to know this, folks, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto. Now, obviously, I'm reading from the King James right now, and that's a little tongue t twister of a phrase in our language today. But the idea being, hey, I tried to come to y'all, but I've been held back. Things have popped up, and I haven't been able to come. And the reason I want to come, verse 13, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. So he's saying, I want to impart truth to you. I want to have fruit. It may be fruit that there will be those that never heard the gospel, that they'll be saved. 
In this context where he's writing to those that are already believers, he's probably talking about the fruit of teaching them more about the kingdom, more about Jesus the Messiah and the Most High God the Father. Verse 14, he says this, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Verse 15, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. So he's saying, I really, really want to come. I really want to come. I want to preach the gospel. I want to present the gospel. I want to tell you the truth of it. And you say, well, why Why is that? Why is he so wound about it? Well, verse 16. And we actually looked at this in a couple episodes ago, but now we know the context. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Yeah, you know that verse, don't you? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, why is he not ashamed of that gospel, of that good news of Christ? He answers it. For it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That goes all the way back to Genesis 12 and Genesis 15 when God made covenant with Abraham. He said, all the world, all the nations will be blessed through you, Abram. Okay? He is saying here that the gospel is the power of God. And this is something that we so often forget. If I were to ask folks that, they would that claim to be believers and that are believers, they would readily say, oh, yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true. But folks, come now. Our deeds sort of show otherwise. Our deeds reflect something entirely differently. I mean, how many things do you see around where people are so concerned and they're struggling and say, we've got to do something. We've got to get where people will come to our church. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. And they do all these things to try to be attractive. Okay, they do all these things to seeking to be relevant to a lost world, to to where a lost world will come and play in our little sandbox. And there's there's it's the saddest thing I've ever seen because what happens is we are denying by our deeds the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto the salvation. Okay, so you don't put on great shows and folks. I mean, I know what I'm talking about here because I, I lead worship. Okay. And for years and years, I put on the show. I can put on a show with the best of them. And they're great and they're wonderful. People say, oh, God was glorified. And I remember, oh, gosh, it's been more than 30 years now, folks. I remember 30 years ago, that thought going off in my mind. If you weren't able to do this, what else would you do? And I'm not talking from a vocational point of view, though there was that element initially. But God was just literally cluing me in and trying to straighten me out about some stuff that don't get so enamored with the show and the performance in my name. See, that's what we do. We try to put on a really, really good show where people be attractive to come in, and at best, they have a soulish experience. In other words, their emotions are affected, and they feel good, or they feel uplifted, or they feel this, you know. Yes, the Holy Spirit will convict us, but that's not what I'm talking about. Here, he says, it's the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. Next verse, 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And... Uh, Three times in the New Testament, we as believers are told to be holy for I am holy, to walk in faith, to live by faith, to do all these things. God would not have told us to do that if it were not possible. 
okay, if it were not possible. He's saying right here that the gospel, through the gospel, is where the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It's not by the faith that I can whip up. It's not by the faith that I can create within the fleshly realm or the faith that I can create within the intellectual realm or anything like that. It is the very faith of God being released through us individually and God calling and God convicting and saying, repent, confess. And when we do that, when we believe, we are transformed from one creature into another creature. Now, this is interesting because you see how he's setting things up. He's proclaiming that the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. He's proclaiming this only through that that the righteousness of God is revealed. Okay, The righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Now, we don't have time, but the next time together, the next verse, we're going to look at what it says. And here's how it starts. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Verse 17, we see that righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. But the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against some folks. And we're about to see who those folks are. And that's where the Lord uses the term Godhead. It is so, so important. So anyway, I hope you can stay with me for the next time. In the meanwhile, I'm Dale, and I thank you so much for being with me. I'll see you again next time. Goodbye.